Thunder won last night, too. So yeah. 10.03 on the home of Sooner fans. Quick little update of the stories maybe you missed from last night. 114, or sorry, 116-108. The Thunder beat the Magic. Fourth straight win for OKC. Cha-ching, another Thunder money ball. Telling you, man, SGA, look out. I think he's going to win a scoring title. I really do. I think he's going to be in the mix for it. Really? I think this is going to be a fun. I've tried to say this, and everyone, you know, I've, I've had pretty good sources tell me that if things are rolling near the All-Star break, they won't suddenly come up with, you know, my arm, my elbow. You know, I, I think they're going to let guys fight and scratch and claw, but we'll see. I mean, it, we thought the same thing at times last year, but that's four in a row. So not bad. Interesting. That's again. I think you guys can connect the dots and realize that I probably got pretty good sources when it comes to the Thunder. Doesn't take. It doesn't take a brain a rocket surgeon, right? All right. This hour at the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear a little weather. Oh, one other note: Phillies destroyed the Astros seven zip. I hope they don't try and win. <laughs> When Bignan is pretty awesome, isn't it? be a he? pretty big mistake. I like that Laker fans, whenever they started 0-3 or 4 or whatever they were, like, oh, it's just tank for when Bignana now. And you're like, well, you, you actually have a pick swap with the Pelicans, so I don't necessarily think that's the best Ugh. idea on the planet. Pelicans actually look pretty good. Anything else from last night that I'm missing that we need to get on? Oh, my gosh. How about the trade deadline in the NFL? It was wild. Yeah, what uh, caught your eye? I liked Miami going for it. Remember, we joked yesterday that one of the ref Twitter followers had said, go get Bradley Chubb, and I think he had mentioned someone else. And literally, the, the Dolphins went out and did it. They got, they got Chubb, and they picked up Jeff Wilson, which is a pretty good get, I thought. So, I mean, listen, I got to deal with a Dolphin fan every single Sunday night right here on the ref, and that's fine. But – you can't help but be impressed with what they've done. I I was blown away. I still think the Ravens getting Roquan is a home run. Green Bay and Kansas City kind of sitting, saying, no, we're good. Yeah. A little Kansas surprising. City, Kansas City did uh, ship off Rashad Fenton. And, and they, they didn't bring anybody in, though. They made the move for Tony a couple days ago. So, yeah. it's, so people that are like, man, KC stood pat. Did they? They got to do that was a first-round pick. That will probably go for a thousand yards the rest of the year. I think a lot of, uh, I mean, probably more contenders than not did stand pat, right? The the Ravens didn't really do anything, did they? No. Well, Roquan Smith. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> but, but again, because it didn't happen in what was a fast and furious deadline day, then it's like, ooh, well, I completely forgot that had taken place. But Adam Schefter. <laughs> Adam Schefter had thrown this out, and I found it to be absolutely crazy. But it was the most it was the most trades that they've ever had on deadline day. And I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to be somebody that is gonna allow myself to get too nerded out on NFL stuff when we got Brent Venables coming up here in just a bit. But a record 10 trades were made. It was the most ever made on any NFL trade deadline day. There you go. That's crazy. The The NFL's just, you know, it's not the same, is it, as a Major League Baseball trade deadline day or an NBA trade deadline day. You don't seemingly get the same amount of, like, blockbuster-type moves. No. That usually happens in the offseason. 
And I've never said the Colts running back. Is it Naheem Hines? I don't think I've ever said his name right. But he got dealt to the Bills. That was another one that stood out. So there, there's a couple news and notes if you missed any of the highlights from last night. All right, Brent Venables. Thought this was a couple really good questions. We'll have his opening statement next, about six good minutes of preparation for Baylor, what he saw from last week. But two quick questions here that I thought brought really good answers. Michael Turk, right? He's become a weapon. I know no one wants to talk about the punter, but when you are a good or when you strive to be a good defensive football team, you need good special teams. Also, when you get 50 minutes, you might as well ask about the punter. Touche. How about this being question number two out of the blocks yesterday on what Michael Turk has done and kind of what stood out to Brent Venables about the, the, the weapon that this dude has become? Uh, first, he has awareness. I'm not, you know, doesn't live in La La Land. Every once in a while, you have a player that lives in La La Land and has a, he's delusional about, you know, how he's playing and performing. Uh, so he's got good awareness. Uh, you got to have that uh, before you can create the change that you want. Hold on. Is that new? I don't think I've ever heard him say that, and that's fantastic. I know. That's that's a new one. I, I think we'll be talking about dudes that look like they're in la-la land quite a bit on I the am, sidelines from here on out. I am working to pull that cut as we speak. <laughs> Let's try this again. I will not interrupt anymore. I apologize. Uh, first, he has awareness. I'm not, you know, doesn't live in la-la land. Every once in a while, you have a player that lives in la-la land and has a, he's delusional about, you know, how he's playing and performing. Uh, so he's got good awareness. Uh, you got to have that uh, before you can create the change that you want. You got to have great self awareness, uh, even through a frustrating. I guess if he was frustrated, I don't want to speak for him. Uh, but when you're not performing the way you're capable of, a lot of times there can be some frustration uh, for a player. So he's able to not be his own worst enemy uh, and just go back to work. The, the fundamentals, uh, you know, given plenty of opportunities, we emphasized. A lot of pooch situations where a lot of times we're going to get a first down, you know, maybe two first downs, and now you're in pooch situation, uh, you know, with the way he can kick the ball. So uh, he just went to work. We, we got a lot of good live work in those situations, and he started getting a little bit better. And, um, you know, there's a fundamental technique aspect to it that I think he just really got back to some of the basics, you know, from a pooch standpoint. And, again, our coverage guys – have gotten better too from an awareness and the execution of that pooch situation. Somebody's got to, you know, uh, face up the football, the return man, and then we got to have some guys that are on in behind uh, that protects the goal line as well. And so we've all kind of worked together better. They've been a good. They've been good the last few weeks on special teams. I mean, you want to talk about a moment that stands out for me this season is. You get a little momentum going against Kansas State, and what gives it all back to him, Josh? A bad kick, a, a, a poor kick coverage. And the next thing you know, Malik Knowles is running by your guys, and you you put your defense in a tough situation again. It's not something to where we sit here and go, special teams, your thoughts, 405-329-9000, and people flood with the con- – well, you know, that holder situation – Dude, Casey Kelleher, that guy is money. He is. Save for, you know, hey, let's take your thoughts on that fake field goal touchdown. Right, but right. Generally it, speaking. For the most part, nobody wants to see the punter, and nobody wants to see the field goal kicker unless he's trying not to kick an extra point. That's just the reality of it. Or if he just made a 55-yarder for the win. Right, right. 
And even then, like with a case of Gay Burkett, you're like, I don't, I don't know what I just experienced in that conversation with Gay Burkett. <laughs> Zach Schmidt, pretty good interview, as I learned on Saturday. I hope things continue to go well for him. All right, so that's, that's a little bit on Turk. What do we know on the injury front? Because I believe it was the first question out of the gate from Eric Bailey. And it's centered around, all right, what do we know right now about Javante Barnes? Is he coming back? And they, they went into an in-depth conversation about the return of uh, Damon Harmon, too. And continue to play. Oh, 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 hold on. We got a, another big challenge. You know what? I just put that at, oh, 725. I'm going to probably have to start wearing my reading glasses whenever I do my audio. Apologies. Don't know any more about Javante. You know, he felt a little better. Hopefully, again, those uh, hamstrings are, are uh, you never know, you know, how they're going to respond. So you might run back out there uh, today and then do something to, to pull it again. So I, I would think he would be a game time uh, decision, to be honest with you. Um, but I don't, it wasn't a severe pull. Um, so. Hopefully we can get him back. He's been playing really well. And those kinds of injuries, those are scary, you know. Those are scary. A lot, I'm sure, goes through a player's mind, you know, certainly to, through the families. Uh, a lot of discussion probably there. And, and, uh, and then obviously using, you know, the expertise of the medical staff, uh, things of that nature. Uh, but that's a you know, scary thing for all of us, you know, to see. So uh, fortunate it wasn't worse. Uh, and uh, DeMond, it was good to have him back out there uh, running around last week. I know he was anxious to do so uh, and thankful, you know, that, uh, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't worse. It was two really cool moments, and I don't know if, you, if you're like me and you, you see things like what I'm going to tell you about and it kind of gets you, or if you're just, I don't care, go play football. But regardless of how you feel, the first time they took the field and Damon was in full uniform, he he stood Iowa State's redone everything. It's really it's really well done how Iowa State for the visitors has set up their new end zone complex. At least for me. Made it easy for me. I don't know, those Chase Proud might disagree, the equipment crew might disagree, other media members might disagree, but they used to have us in like their indoor workout room and it was just different. You had more space. But it's just different, right? Now they've got this facility. You've got room. There's areas outside the locker room. It's really nice. So when you walk out of the tunnel, there's this moment where as you exit the tunnel, you go to the ramp. And I was standing when they came out for the first time, the DBs, right on that ramp, and I saw Damon Harmon in his full uniform. He just stood there, man, head down, kind of hands, keeping them together, and you could see his his helmet nodding, and it's like, ah, that's pretty cool. And then same thing happened when they, they took the field, too. He was the last one out. It was just – I didn't know he wasn't going to play. He went through all the pregame stuff, but now that he's been cleared, he, he's a guy that saw some snaps. So it'll be really exciting to see 17 back this weekend. Because that was scary, dude. It was bad enough what was going on in the game, but that was a, that was a scary situation whenever he went down at, at TCU, and that's been a month ago. It was the the low point of uh, of that game. I mean, I, obviously the scoreboard itself, everything that was going on. But you see somebody potentially get injured like that uh, to that severity was uh, 
you know, heart stopping for a moment. So obviously huge to have him back and uh, can't wait to see what happens next for him. Okay, quick break. When we come back, let's go all in on the opening statement from Brent Venables. We got more on the playoff rankings. We spent the, if you missed it on the podcast, we spent the whole first hour on the playoff rankings. So check it out at krefsports.com or krefsports.com, excuse me, krefsports.com or simply search the ref. However you consume podcasts, we'll have more on that coming up in just a bit. But BV's opening statement from his presser yesterday and some weather talk right here on The Ref. I honestly thought whenever I walked in, I thought you were singing in the studio. (laughs) I didn't know it was Toto. All right, coming up at the bottom of this hour, in exactly 10 minutes from now, we've got our eyes on the skies, so to speak, and... We're going to talk with the crew that is in charge of operations weather-wise. Extreme meteorologist. Ex- extreme! Kevin Closel is with the OU Department of Campus Safety. He is, a, and I've been informed, a Texas grad, which makes sense for the at Texas Embassy Twitter handle. But yeah. It's not as funny anymore. Meteorology. He's the man. Professor. Dr. Closel coming up at the bottom of this hour, so we shall know. We shall know! All right, all right, not funny now. Heck, if it was up to Jeff Sagarin, you'd be the number nine team in the country right now. No doubt. How did how did that mathematical formula come up with that? I don't know, but it doesn't like undefeated TCU. When you look at that math, when you look at it and it comes out looking like that, isn't there a part of your mind where you're like, might need to readjust this. Yeah, it might be time bit. to... Might be time to throw the Sagarin rankings away. If if you didn't miss it last night, we've kind of danced around it. But Tennessee was one, Ohio State two, followed by Georgia and Clemson. Michigan was at five, so Alabama was at six ahead of TCU. Other Big 12 teams in the rankings included Kansas State at 13, Oklahoma State at 18, Texas at 24. Even though when we went through, the, the computers seemed to love Texas. I don't know any other way to put it except maybe they played Alabama. If you were to – you know what I was kind of shocked by because it made me dig a little deeper? The – what is that? What is that? Anyway, um, Texas would be 26th in the AP poll, and they would be 28th in the coaches poll. So they're still getting votes, lots of them despite the disappointment of their last outing against Oklahoma State. Are they still a favorite against Kansas State this weekend, or is that adjusted to? I was blown away to see that Texas was a favorite against Kansas State. Let's check it out. I, I don't know. I'm going to dig right now. Well, while we dig for that, here's Brent Venables, his opening statement yesterday when he met with the media. And it sounded like this. All right. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, good to see everybody. Um had a great uh, post-game Iowa State. Again, had a, a really strong uh, road win. Loved our uh, preparation all week. Uh, after the Kansas ball game, thought our guys came back and responded uh, really well. Hungry, um, super coachable, uh, ready to get better, willing to put the work in. I thought our guys, uh, again, from the moment we uh, loaded the buses, uh, at one o'clock to head to the airport, I thought our guys had a, you know, a great approach. Um, brought our own energy, tremendous 
uh, focus and intensity, passion, all the things that you uh, got to have to to play well. Um, their mindset um, from the get go was really really strong. So I think that's where it all starts. Again, have an attitude and toughness, and go on the road to win and uh, play with a great physicality. Fought through uh, adversity. Nothing's ever easy uh, about winning and competing and. Um, uh, really uh, happy for our guys to be able to reward them with victory, a hard-fought win, and uh, just like Iowa State has played all year, you know they're not going to concede anything. You're going to have to earn it. So, uh, lends credibility what we've been asking our guys. You know the work and the precision and the details and situational football. And again, won the turnover margin by two, uh, won the third uh, third down. Uh, battle won the rushing total 182 to 66, and uh, and then dominated in the kicking game. Uh, our season best plus 85, you know, hidden yards. So that's a formula for success: winning different kinds of uh, kind of ways, uh, you know, on the year. And uh, again, it's small, um, but it 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 still counts. And small being you know improvement. You know, there's incremental improvement. Across the board, individual unit, um, certainly as a team, that's you know what we want to be able to uh, be able to do as we finish the season out. In the regular season is continue to to get better and improve. And our best players have got to continue to lead the way. Uh, you know, not everybody's going to play a perfect game. What I love is, you know, other guys stepped up and made made plays when we had to. So loved how we ran the ball. I love the efficiency of our offense. I love the the domination in the kicking game. I I, I love seeing the strain. Uh, certainly the punter and the kicker, the snapper uh, uh, were excellent. I think that you know I think that goes without saying. But I, I love the strain um, in protection and coverage, uh, doing the details uh, that we got to do. There's a lot that goes in. Uh, to executing at a high level, you're not just doing the same things. Uh, for example, on your punt team and your alignments and your protections, you know they're doing something different. Forces you to have to do some different things as well. So, I loved, uh, you know, again the effort uh, late in the game to you know pin a couple of punts deep. A lot again, a lot of uh, energy and toughness and strain got to go into that as well. So I don't take any of uh, any of that for granted. And um, we got a great chance to again a, a great opportunity to uh, you know to have a really strong finish and, it, and a lot of things got to go our way and, and our guys got to uh, we got to be able to coach well and and uh, continue to get better and improve uh, on the field and but I I love the opportunity that's sitting in front of us right now and uh, we're gonna have to continue to win the turnover margin and uh, you know be efficient in the red zone and continue to, to, to play well in the third and the fourth down uh, uh, phases. And certainly, again, uh, the kicking game will be a big part of it. But I, again, love how we're uh, continue to uh, execute on, on offense and, again, getting a little better on defense. And, and again, the kicking game is, is going really, really well. So, you know, for, for, you know, for us, you know, you know, every game there's something that's on the line. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about, you know, having a, you know, one-game approach and, you know, going 1-0 this week. But 
you know, we need to be who we are and believe in, in what this team is capable of doing. That's where it all starts and not let, you know, other people tell us, you know, who we are. And so that's a challenge to the players. Our leadership has continued to be really strong. And, uh, you know, we got another uh, tremendous challenge, uh, you know, defending Big 12 champions uh, in, in Baylor. Uh, they're playing really well right now. Same record as we have uh, in overall record at five and three. You know, uh, Coach Aranda's done a, a terrific job in his third year there. Uh, you know, their three loss, losses this year have come by, come by uh, a combined 20 points. Um, they're running the football incredibly well. I think their scoring is top 15 in the country, just under, you know, 40 points a game. And uh, they've got, you know, four seniors on their offensive line. Uh, they've played a ton of uh, really good football. Uh, they're fifth in the country in fourth down conversion, so very aggressive. Uh, you know, they're, I'm sure there must be an analytics uh, component to that because uh, they're really aggressive. They're con uh, converting on almost 70% of their fourth downs, and not just fourth and one, like all kinds of fourth downs. Uh, they're running back freshman. Uh, Reese has been playing incredibly well. Uh, leads the, the Big 12 with 12 rushing touchdowns. And uh, quarterback Shapin is a really good player, converting almost 70% of his passes. And uh, he's fourth in the, in the conference. We got to, do we not have the best quarterback efficiency as a conference? That would be a good question to have. I bet we do. Uh, our quarterback efficiency in this conference uh, this year is incredibly uh, high. And he's fourth in the, in the conference that way, making great decisions. and. Got a great system. Coach Grimes had a lot of success at a lot of places, and and uh, love you know the attitude his guys play with. They play aggressive, they play tough, they play physical, um, they play disciplined, and they do the same thing as a mirror image on the defensive side of the ball. So this is going to be a great, great challenge. I think the last two times we've played them, they've held us to 20 or less points and under 300 yards of offense. Uh, the last two times that we've we've played them, so. I think they're top 30 in the country, you know, in total defense. So again, we got a, another big challenge uh, this week. But at the end of the day, it's going to be about us and just getting better. We got to play our most physical game of the year this uh, this week, and continue to play with the discipline, uh, the toughness, and the attitude that it takes to uh, to win. So uh, with that, all there you go. Did not do a good editing job on that one either. A lot of stuff to unpack there. But as you can tell, he's very happy with the way special teams are playing. And he's right. You know, a couple of years ago, we sat here and debated whether or not the Big 12 had kind of lost a little bit of its edge at the quarterback position. And this year now, the quarterback's playing incredibly efficient. Good football. All right, quick break. When we come back, what will the weather look like for Saturday's game? What preparations should you make? Kevin Klosel joins us from the OU Department of Campus Safety next, right here on The Ref. Ooh, ooh, the Big 12 softball schedule is released, Josh. And you say we're still dealing with stuff from 2017 with Kansas? Unbelievable breaking. Bill Self, four-game suspension from Kansas. It's four games. We've waited five years for him to get four games. <laughs> I know, yeah, he's... One less game uh, than, than years served here. Wild. Well, we're joined right now on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line by diehard sports fan, a man who is 
not only all in on the World Series, but all in on the weather. Kevin Clazel joins us. I if and I should be correct here, right? Doctor Kevin Clazel, right? Yeah, I'm not your doctor, so Kevin is fine. <laughs> you sure? I mean, I don't want to. Absolutely. All right. Well, you worked hard to get that doctorate. Um, well, first and foremost, let's get to what's important here. Are you worried about how the Astros are playing on the road in this series so far? Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is a this is a problem, right? Everybody talked about you know no Verlander, no McCullers, so that was the reason last year, and now Verlander and McCullers may be the reason that they don't win it this year. Yeah. It's uh, It was wild, and, and I don't know how you feel about John Smoltz, but we played the audio earlier. Him basically saying that, that, that uh, McCullough had to come to Bryce Harper with a fastball, and he throws him a breaking ball and literally hits a home run on the first pitch, enraging. Kevin, do yeah, you – oh, go ahead. No, it, it, it's good, Yeah, but that's McCullough's bread and butter, right? right. You don't want to get beat with your third-best pitch, and that's his third-best pitch, and so he's throwing his best pitch, and he put it in the wrong location, so – Dude, not, not Kevin Clazel is not just a fan. That's super fan kind of breakdown right there on the World Series. But listen, we could talk World Series about you all day long, but I know you just got out of the game operations meeting. You are the meteorologist. And what, what does EM stand for? Is that emergency meteorologist? That's what I heard in my mind. So it's, it's emergency manager. I have a ah. certification uh, as an emergency manager here in Oklahoma. I also serve as the meteorologist here on campus for every event, every sport. And uh, also teach at the National Weather Center. Awesome. So how are we feeling about Saturday? Is it going to be a day whenever we've got to make sure that we bring our rain gear for the 2 o'clock kick to Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium? I think you'll be able to leave those at home. Right now the timing is looking really positive. Uh, We will likely have storms around here on Friday. So if you have some uh, pre-festivity, particularly outdoor events on Friday evening, and we've been feverishly moving high school football games uh, across most of central and eastern Oklahoma to Thursday from Friday uh, because so many of those games have playoff implications and such. Uh, but I think that we will potentially have some residual light rain showers very scattered early in the morning on Saturday. And if you're up really early, it's going to be kind of chilly. It'll be 40s uh, when you wake up. But by the time we get to lunchtime and into the afternoon, should be very pleasant, should be seasonal 60s uh, with a little bit of a gusty wind. So as that sun goes down towards the late part of the game, uh, second half when you start getting into the shaded seats, might be a little chilly uh, by the evening, but I think we will get away rain-free. Kevin, how concerned, let's let's rewind a little bit. For those that start the party, as you said, on Friday night, we've been moving games. Um, I know the mighty Washington Warriors have moved their homecoming to Thursday. Whenever we get in talking to you, we're going to lay out all the games that have been moved to Thursday in the Norman area that we carry here on the ref. But how concerned are you about that storm on Friday? Is it something to where maybe delay your tailgating plans or, I don't know, just wait till Saturday morning? How severe does this look? I think you want to wait till Saturday morning, and I think the reason is that outdoor activities are not going to be recommended on Friday evening just because of lightning and the possibility of severe weather. Uh, those storms that come through on Friday afternoon, evening could bring gusty winds, could bring some hail, uh, probably even a low tornado risk. I'll say very low for a quick spin-up. I think that risk will likely be magnified a little bit east of here. But at the same time, you do not want to have outdoor events on Friday evening. You want to have an indoor backup plan. Um, all right. Well, let's help me be smarter. Is there something that could happen? Because early in the week, those those models seem to 
forecast the concerning weather on Saturday. Is there anything that could happen that could push back this front, or is it pretty much on on pace for being uh, Friday evening? So one of the reasons why those are a little more uncertain is that the storm system at that time back on Sunday, Monday, hadn't even entered the United States yet. It is just now getting into the U.S. on the West Coast today, and that gives us a much better handle on timing. I think if we are going to miss this one, we're going to miss it a little bit into Saturday morning, again, with those residual rain showers that I mentioned. But I think even in a worst-case scenario, those are all out by noon. And with only you know one more home game left this year being the Bedlam game, I, I'm knock on wood because I never want to curse anything. But you know, Kevin, it seems like we've been pretty blessed. I know it was extremely hot for the opener against UTEP, but from a weather perspective, I mean, it's been it's been pleasant for the home games this season. It has, and I think if you look at, at what's happened to us, we've skirted some pretty significant storms. This goes all the way back to spring game last spring, right? We had yep. those storm tornadoes in the area that night. We kind of ran the clock really quickly in the second <laughs> half, you know, with no stoppage time just to get people out. Uh, but we had that again this, you know, this year, last home game, we had those storms roll through about four or five hours, uh, did some damage to some of the empty, thankfully empty tailgate tents that were out there. Uh, so we've we've been very very fortunate that game windows have been uh, on the good side this year. Beautiful, beautiful. I, just one more quick one, and we'll let you get back to uh, professing and, and looking at models. But to reset, things look good on Saturday. If you're up early, like most of us are, you might get some rain. But Friday night, if you've got events going on, it's best to find a way to move those to Thursday. Agree with Friday night, and then, of course, Saturday morning. Early, early morning is going to be a little on the chilly side, a little on the breezy side, maybe some light rain, but by game afternoon, we're looking at a much better afternoon with the low 60s. And, again, that's still that gusty wind. Uh, if we run into sort of a 6 p.m., <laughs> four-hour game, uh, you're talking about likely being pretty chilly again on the back end as well as the, as the shadows creep across the stadium. Love it. This has been awesome. Kevin, I know that you're a busy man. I'm sorry that I was bugging you, but – uh, but we appreciate the insight, and as always, thanks for keeping us weather aware, man. No worries, Chris. Anytime. It's Kevin Clazel. Oh, he's going to be a regular on this show. Yeah, I think we need to work that into a <laughs> weekly bit. Yeah, that's that. That's going to be a regular on this program. Whenever I was reaching out and I started kind of poking around a bit because I didn't even know that weather was going to be an issue until Gabe brought it up on Monday. And I was like, oh, well, I guess we might have a little bit of an issue here. And so I reached out. I was texting with Jackie Livingston. I was like, hey, who's the guy that you turned to? And she gave me Kevin's number, and he's awesome. And he's a diehard sports fan, too. No, that's perfect. We, we got to get him on every yeah. week. I think that worked out okay. So dovetailing off what he just said, here's what it looks like for the next 24 hours on the Ref Sports Radio Network. If I read any of this incorrectly, Josh Helmer, please correct me right away. Deal. This is very kind of specific to our high school football coverage. Norman North, well, basically, all of the high school games this week that we cover have been moved from Friday to Thursday. Now, I, I want to say I haven't seen anything in the Tulsa area yet. Maybe I should have asked Kevin. But maybe – one of you diehards in the 918 can let me know if we're seeing something similar to this in the 918 area. This is very specific to the 405, 
So if there are any adjustments that need to be made in Tulsa, please, I'm all ears. But all of our high school games that we cover on the ref have been moved from Friday to Thursday. Norman North is looking to lock up the number two seed in district play, which is incredible. They have beaten both Jinx and Broken Arrow this season. If they beat Enid at home on Thursday, they'll be the two seed and have a first round bye, which is a Friday off for Josh. Woohoo! Dude, that quarterback for Norman North now. Let's go. Six Killer has had a I terrific like season. Edmund North and Edmund Memorial will make the playoffs. It'll be the first time in quite a while. So we've got their game on Thursday. Westmore plays Southmore tomorrow night. If Westmore wins, they're in. If they lose and Moore beats Broken Arrow, Moore would be in the playoff because Norman, Edmund Memorial, and Edmund North are all 3-3 three and three in district play. So we've got you covered on krefsports.tv. That's krefsports.tv. Um, and all the games are on Thursday, including that Norman High at Owasso contest, Kindle 405 versus 918. That'll be big. Top-ranked Stillwater at Muskogee. Uh, that yep. has been that's been shifted over. Okay, here we go. I've got a couple of uh, I've got a couple of quick notes here. Memorial at Kawita is on. You're, oh, by the way, pause, pause the show. This reminds me of how I started in radio, because back in the day, I would do a high school show on Friday nights. It was me. I started with me and John Marble, and then I did it with various hosts throughout my early early broadcasting years. And we would have to get scores from people calling in. It was still one of the coolest moments where I was like, man, Hale just won. Wouldn't it be cool if Bo Kemp or Kiwan Jones called the show and Bo Kemp called the show? I thought it was the greatest thing ever. That is cool. So we're getting these up. Now, it's different people aren't calling us, but they're texting. But you get, <laughs> we're still getting these updates. Memorial at Kawita on Thursday. And Terry from Dewey is reporting that the games in the 918 are also being moved to Thursday. Yeah, I'm so looking at go. the uh, Tulsa world as we speak. Bishop Kelly at Grove, Victory Christian at Kiefer. Those are now Thursday games. Dang it, I'm mad I didn't ask Kevin about that. Jinx at Bixby, Sperry at Beggs. All right, there you go. So, schedules being adjusted all over the place. Thanks to Kevin Clazel for his time. If we, we want to quickly try to surmise that, I would say have your – have your hoodie ready for the game on Saturday. I don't think you'll need rain gear unless you're showing up at like 6 a.m. <laughs> Indeed. Which you might need to, actually. If you're tailgating. Right. But looks like we'll be free and clear for Saturday's game. All right, quick break. Look at us stand on the clock. I'm so happy right now. It's 1046. Top five stories of the day from Firehouse Subs coming up. Oh, my goodness. It's been a, it's been a year now. Jim Costello and blazing he in lives my brain. Free. He lives rent-free Literally. in my dome. <laughs> but uh, the Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day coming up. And your Air Comfort Solutions texts are next on The Plank Show. So just to follow up on one little tidbit of some breaking news, the Big 12 has announced the league softball schedule. Each team will play 18 conference games, nine home, nine away. I think, guys, this is just a, a precursor towards any minute now. Oh, boom. And Oklahoma has officially released its full softball schedule. There you go. Okay. I was about to say, I kind of think this is a precursor to OU releasing its schedule, but 
Here we go, and it is awesome, okay? It's awesome. So, OU, OU will play in Irvine in the Mark Campbell Classic again this year from February 9th through February 12th. Games will include a showdown with Stanford and Washington. They'll also play Duke. Sidney Romero is a coach there now. And um, San Jose State. We'll travel to Waco on February 17th for, what is that called? The Getterman Classic. Play Army. Then on February 24th, we'll head out to Palm Springs for the Mary Nutter Classic. Games against A&M, Utah, and UCLA. The Sooners' first home game will be a tournament featuring Kentucky, whom they'll play twice, and Illinois-Chicago, whom they'll play twice. Do they have start times there, Josh? They do. Oh, well, hold on here. Let's, let me pull up that schedule then. Um, lock them. So the start time – oh, that's going to be tough. So the start time for the first Kentucky game is 530 on that Friday, March 3rd, will be the home opener for the Sooners. Yes, it will. Then they'll travel to Mississippi State, Starkville, for the Bulldog Invitational. They'll play the Bulldogs twice. SLU is there. And a midweek doozy on March 14th, a Tuesday night game against Florida State. How about that? Tuesday, March 14th against the Seminoles. The Hall of Fame Classic will be new this year. The Sooners will play in Oklahoma City starting on March 17th with teams like Auburn and Northwestern coming to town. Good for them. And then conference play starts on March 24th in Ames, Iowa. So there you have it. Iowa State, Texas, Texas Tech. Um, they're going to Baton Rouge to play LSU on April 11th. They'll head to Miami of Ohio for the Miami of Ohio tournament. And then a couple midweeks. Midweek against Wichita State. Midweek, April 26th at TU. And then wrap it up with Kansas and Oklahoma State. Full schedule at Soonersports.com. Though, I pretty much knocked it out. All right, so quick update, by the way, from Kevin. Upper 60s in Irvine, mid-70s in Palm Springs. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Kevin. (laughs) That's great. So the two big things here, obviously, having midweek games against Florida State at home and at LSU, that's huge. Um, a home two-game set with Kentucky is pretty huge. And the opportunity to go back to L.A. and play in the Mark Campbell Classic. Really, really, really cool schedule. Texas, Texas Tech, Kansas, your home series. Oh, my conference. gosh. And they're playing, they're playing the Sunday game at 2 o'clock in, in L.A. in the opening weekend. We might have to hustle through that one, Jackie, because I got to be on the air by 5 o'clock for the Super Bowl, and I can't miss my Super Bowl show. Unless, once, I'm not trading out with anyone for that trip, but I mean, oof, that's kind of close for me, y'all. Yeah, we, you might uh, what are be we doing, doing the Super Bowl and then leaving, right? Yeah. That, that'll be the plan for you? If we're playing at 2 o'clock, I can't do the Super Bowl show. There's just no way. Super Bowl coverage starts at 5, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you could just 
do the show from right there, right? If they'll let you. Bill Barber Park. Yeah. Like have some, just have a little mobile. My my laptop is what I'm watching it on. All the lights go out and I'm still just sitting there. That'd be pretty awesome. That'd be hilarious. Be the best Super Bowl of your life. All right. So there you have it. Chiefs OU has Eagles. released its schedule. Chiefs Eagles. From Bill Barber Park. Who could forget it? Softball question, writes Crimson 47. Um, It's been seen that Coach Gasso was on crutches last game. Didn't she say a while back she had knee issues? Might there have been some surgery? What happened or is it something else? Wow, I didn't see that. Uh, from the 918, Sooners use home field advantage come Saturday. Bears quarterback gets thrashed. Sooner D holds them to 24 points. I hope it's rocking on Saturday. I really do. I, and I think it will be. Kendall writes, back in my days, we played in the elements. These high school kids are soft. <laughs> I, I think it is fair to point out. I think Kendall's being a little bit facetious. Yeah, I know he is. And what is – why are you under the impression, Kendall, that I'm rooting for the Astros in the World Series? Are you rooting for the Astros in the World Series, no. Josh? I, no, I've been very clear from day one that this is a Phillies town. Norman, OKC, Tulsa, you guys want to jump on board, a Phillies town. Now, they cram the Astros down our throat all year long. This is a Phillies state. This is a Phillies country. This 918 text is going to send me down a rabbit hole during the break before we go to break. Have you seen the ESPN computer rankings? Then you'll really be mad. What is it, the the SP Plus or the FPI? Well, okay, be clear, sir, because I'm triggered by even the mention of the FPI. So let's see. You know what? Let, let me do this during a break because I'm gonna. It's a good day. What a F- good move. FBI starting to look up on uh, Oklahoma a little bit. I think their matchup predictor has Oklahoma winning three of its final four. Oh, and before last week's results, the FBI matchup predictor had Oklahoma only winning uh, at Iowa State. So it's actually feeling more positively about Oklahoma. I looked at the FBI. I'm so triggered. I'm gonna take a walk. I'm not even kidding. I'm going to need Sooners to take are 131? No, it's not about where Oklahoma is. It's about where Texas is. <laughs> Interesting. And we'll talk about it next.